The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our city. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves, welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like our show, please share it with a friend. Friend, Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. I do want to thank our sponsor right off the bat. It's the all-inclusive podcast with Jay Ruderman. Find that show anywhere you find your podcast. Great podcast, great conversations, and a great cause. And uh, speaking of great causes, I'm behind this cause of, of people actually getting together and meeting in person again. And I'm very excited that I have an in-studio guest today for the Boston Podcast. His name is Dave Miller. He's the managing partner of Rosen Dental Transitions. And um, he looks very comfortable behind the mic, if I may say. So let's welcome him to the studios. Thanks for having me. Comfortable is... I don't know about that. We're it's maybe on the surface. We'll, well, we'll see what happens. We'll get, we'll we'll get there. We'll we'll get there. We've got it's. This is a, as I was telling you before we started recording, Dave. It's a podcast. You just you make everything up. So if it takes time for us to get warmed up, that's just fine. We're going to hear about Dave's practice. He's got an interesting business in I'll call it buying and selling and the and really the business of dental practices. So that's why we're recording this at two thirty. Two thirty. You get it. Two. Th- it's oh the, boy! It's the worst joke in your it's, in your yeah. I need my I need my cricket sound effect for that one, and a, I can't find it. A so. good dad joke to get things going that's right. uh, can never be a bad way to start. So I, uh, let it ride, let it ride. That that's right. So we're gonna hear about that. We'll play a round of burning questions where we get to know Dave a little better, and we'll do a, a round of good stuff at the end where both Dave and I will recommend something good. But so how has your just just it's kind of what I ask everybody is how has your pandemic been we were, were you able to carry on your business for the most part the last couple of years or things getting better just now or what's what's it like yeah i so i feel like for everybody there's there's two questions to that it's professional and personal right how That's was right. your pandemic yeah. i took an interesting strategy on the personal side and had a new baby oh. uh, like two weeks before so that was congratulations awesome and got to spend a ton more time with a newborn that normally wouldn't happen. So that was great. What what uh, flavor of child did you have? I had a boy. Okay. Um, yeah. Congratulations. Yep. Yeah, thanks. His name's Graham, and he's a ball of energy. Excellent. So how old is Graham now? He's 20 months, and we have okay. a second one on the way in February. So... Um, wow, yeah. you are busy. That's great. But yeah. that's great. And you know what? The timing is perfect, because Graham... By the time Graham is, you a know, nightmare? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, he's well, he's 20 months. I mean, that's that's he's toddling around, right? Yeah, he's yeah. he so. I don't think he knows how to walk, but he knows how to sprint. Okay. So he just literally <laughs> runs. Speed. Yeah. And he's he's an awesome kid, but he's he's going to be at that age where um, he knows he's capable of doing things that he shouldn't be doing. Right. And we can't get through to him that he shouldn't. So it'll yep. be an adventure for sure. But he, the timing of his life could be just perfect because he doesn't know what he didn't know. In other words, he survived the pandemic with just kind of shrugging and going, yeah, this is life. What do I know? Right? Yeah, that's exactly right. The the kid hasn't worn a mask yet because he's not, he's under two and hasn't had a, so yeah, timing, uh, 
timing is good. That's good. And so you've had an eventful pandemic. And how about, but how about business? How about, how about getting back? Have you been taking in-person meetings and such? I mean, I know that your business must require a lot of that. So Yeah. So it, it was interesting because obviously dental practices got shut down like mm-hmm. everything else did. And when they reopened, there were a ton of rules and there still are in the healthcare industry, right? Like you still have to wear a mask and there's all the, the COVID screening. We've been doing in-person meetings since practices have started seeing patients. Mm-hmm. And it was, we kind of crawled before we walked, but especially for our consulting side of the business, they were needed more than ever. So you, they had to be in the practices because there were all these new challenges to tackle and, and things of that nature. So mm-hmm. I would say we're business as usual now. Mm-hmm. Like we're fully meetings, traveling, doing whatever we have to do in terms of co- meeting with clients and prospect, prospects and things like that. Now, so. when, when people ask you what you do, I wonder if the reaction you get a lot is, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Like for a, so, so what you do is you value dental practices, you help sell dental practices, and then it, you do certain accounting for, and don't, and I'm probably screwing this up. So, but, but correct. Sorry, I usually do too. Correct. <laughs> well, correct me around the edges and then, and then tell us why you like doing this. Cause it, it is a different spin on business that I think most people wouldn't have, wouldn't occur to them. You know? Yeah. So, so usually the first thing that comes out of people's mouth when I tell them what I do is they say, just Dennis. Right. Right. Like, yeah. like there's enough of those around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a ton. Everybody uh, needs a dentist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the business itself is pretty recession proof. Even in 2008, 9, 10, when the sky was falling, they felt a little pain as the unemployment rate, employment rate rise, r- mm-hmm. rise, was right. rising. Was rising. Yeah. Because people lose their insurance. So they're not doing their normal checkups. But if your tooth hurts, you have to get it fixed. Yeah. Right. So they, they do very well, despite what's going on in the economy around them. And I, yeah. So. Uh, what were you talking you're, about? No, that's okay. Your 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 background. You're not a dentist. No, no, Let's no. Start so, there. Yeah. Right. So I, I mean, I came out of school and I did sales. And if you would have told me I'd be in the dental industry, in general, let alone in Massachusetts and Boston, I probably would have said you're crazy. Mm-hmm. I I did economics and finance and stuff in college. I came out and I said, I don't know what I want to do. I was that guy that didn't decide his major until it was like required. Like they're like, you have to, or else you'll be here forever in college. Mm-hmm. So. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that business development and sales was a skill that you had to have no matter if you're an engineer. Like, you have to be able to communicate with people and get them to buy in and stuff. So true. So that led me to financing with Bank of America, who has a dental-specific lending division. And there's a lot of banks out there, Do I'm not plugging one bank. Yep. There's a lot of banks that have specialized in this industry because of what I mentioned earlier. They don't go under. So it's an incredibly safe loan for a bank to give to a small business. And so started that job that was in Ohio where I grew up uh, as a tortured Cleveland sports fan. Really? Yeah. So that's the other great thing about the timing uh, to, to completely go backwards. Okay. Yes, sir. My son's birth from a timing perspective, he didn't live through my life as a <laughs> Cleveland fan. Well, um, now you got to decide how to raise them though. Yeah. I, I, I'm hoping that, um, my wife and I have different opinions, so she's from <laughs> okay. here about how. We'll see what happens. But so, yeah, so, and they kind of said, like, listen, we have this job up in Boston. You cover all of New England. What are your thoughts? And I'm like, well, I've never been to New England. I don't know a single person up here. Mm. But I was 25 at the time, and I'm like, well, let's go. Yep. And that was 
while ago. Mm-hmm. And it, it just kind of evolved. You build all these, it's a very small industry. Like a lot of these verticals are where you hear people specialize in something. It, it's a very small industry. So you build a ton of relationships. You work with a lot of the same people. And after working with the bank and doing a couple other things in the industry, there was an accounting group locally that I had a really good relationship with. They do a phenomenal job. And it just made a lot of sense. I had been financing transactions for dentists on the buyer side. So I've been looking at practices, looking at the value, determining if it was a good fit and helping these young dentists kind of navigate the process of going from an employed professional to a business owner Mm -hmm. and going to the other side of the table, which is now selling them and valuing them and working on the seller side just seemed like a natural progression and I found a great partner and here we are. Right. So yeah, it was kind of a, that was the longest winded way of no, it saying, wasn't. That was pretty good. That was um, pretty tight. I got you on the clock here. Yeah. Believe me. I'm, yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to, to jump in and hit the buzzer. <clears> and <throat> or whatever. Yeah. No, you're good. Uh, Rosendentaltransitions.com is where you go if you want to find out more information about what Dave and, and what he does. What is, what is it like to work with dentists? Because you and I talked about this briefly off, off air. I know one dentist and God love him. He's uh, the world revolves around him. Uh, I love you, Steve Levitt, wherever you are. Hopefully you're listening. He sold his dental practice recently, but um, I've, I've found that you would think that maybe dentist would be more, Oh, I don't know, nerdy or, or like they're only dealing with the inside of people's mouths. Like, so maybe they, they wouldn't be so much people person, but I've met a lot that are super like confident and, and what are they like? Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. I, I feel like in general, if there's a certain percentage of people that are quote unquote cool to hang out with or nerdy or whatever that exists and maybe it skews one way or the other a little bit. Mm. I think like the, the dentist that got straight A's, but weren't very social, right? right? They usually end up working for someone or going into academia and, Mm -hmm. and, but the ones that are the incredibly successful business owners, you think about your dentist and if you like him at all, and if you refer him to your friends and family, you don't talk about how clinically he's like, oh man, he is a tactician with my teeth, it's right? Very like, true, yeah. You're like, yeah, he's great. Nothing hurts. The office is really nice and new and they give me iPads and I can watch TV. Yeah, right. So like the ones that are incredibly successful are the, and the ones that a lot of people associate are like, the people that are social and can yeah. converse and make you feel comfortable. That's funny. That's this guy. This guy, Steve, he, he knows everybody. He's, he's got everywhere he goes, he bumps into a friend. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And they're incredibly successful, right? They're mm-hmm. one of the few medical professions that hasn't been crushed by insurance. Now they're mm-hmm. feeling it, right? But it's nothing like a primary care provider or something like that. So a lot of them can be very, very successful if they work hard and, and build a business working four days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a, a unique lifestyle and, and a different type of person. Right. So, so we're going to play a round of burning questions with Dave because I, I just just starting to get guests back in the studio. And so I'm pulling out all the stops and all the sound effects and things like that. And we now know that you're a tortured Cleveland sports fan. If not for LeBron winning a couple of years ago, whenever that was, it, it would be that you must have celebrated that. Right. Uh, the Cavaliers winning. Right. Yeah. Yes. Big time. Absolutely. Because if not for that, you look, I'm fascinated by this. I, I tend to keep tabs on who's the most tortured city because it used to be us from, we, we were known as Loserville from, now I grew up and I'm old enough to have suffered through uh, Bucky Dent and <laughs> Red Sox in 86 and the ball going through Buckner's legs. 
But at that time, we had we still had three Celtics championships. The Patriots at least made it to the Super Bowl. Then after that, from 86 to 01, we had nothing. Nothing. Loserville. Yeah. And it, it, there are moments where you're like, why am I bothering? Right? Yeah. And, man, I, I wish we had something at 86. I mean, before the Cavs, it was, of course, in, in true Cleveland form, we won the NFL championship, which was the last one before the Super Bowl. Right. So we couldn't even say we won a Super Bowl. Right. It's like, well, right. NFL championship, that doesn't sound real. I think you're making that up. So, right. yeah, it's been brutal, man. I, the, yeah. the Indians had a great run in the 90s, but never got over the hump in the World Series, right? That was when Manny was in Cleveland and Albert Bell and... Jose Mesa blew it at the end. Was oh, it that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. The, in the most Cleveland fashion. The yeah. number one reliever in the major leagues blew the World Series in Game 7. On the last batter, so I, well, yeah. I mean, that, that's, it, that's hap- it. Happened to us, but but we got we got rewarded for our suffering, and then then the Indians made it back to the World Series recently. Yeah. With and with we lost Tito. to the Cubs. Yeah. That's right. And listen, so the Cubs Cubs got theirs. I don't care. They have the Blackhawks and the Bulls <laughs> and everything. Like that was the whole thing that was driving me nuts. Is yeah. that oh well, two tortured cities and no winning. It's like you had the '90s with the Bulls. You have the Blackhawks. You yeah. had the Bears. Cry me a river, Chicago. <laughs> I love the city, but you're nowhere near. But you, know, you won't give up, I take it. No, Never. no, no. No, Never. I can't because I, my friends and I have decided that if one of us does disavow the Browns, we would go down as a martyr because it, it the law of nature would be that we would win a Super Bowl or a championship, mm-hmm. like, if one of us left. So if I, so <laughs> for all the Browns fans out there, if you win a Super Bowl, it's probably because I said in out loud that I will never be a Browns fan the rest of my life. And then the next year you would win it. That's just, (laughs) I just know that's how it'll work. So I think that's, that's more, it's the illusion of regret that's keeping me from switching teams more than my desire to. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe, I do believe in karma to some degree, but it, it, karma is really in a matter of speaking, the law of averages. So when the Red Sox lost in uh, 78 in heartbreaking fashion and then 86 in heartbreaking fashion. And then, in 2003 in Yankee Stadium with Aaron Boone hitting the home run, it was like there were so many things that had gone so wrong. It's just odds are if they keep playing these games, something's going to reverse in the other way. And so sure enough, it did. And so I think I think good times are coming for, for Cleveland. Of course, the Browns are weird because they're known for those tragic the fumble and the drive, and I don't want to make you upset here, Dave. <laughs> Unless you want to see a grown man cry in your <laughs> right. studio after meeting him. I, I but the fans, I, I just love the fans. The dog pound, and, and it just seems like the, the loyalty endures, even though you're actually rooting for a different franchise than you were when you were a little kid, right? Because they went away. Yeah. Which he, is weird. Yeah. But, well, another, yeah, that's uh, there's a good special on NFL films about that. But, yeah, I, I mean, I tell people all the time, even, you know, you don't have to be a Browns fan. If you went there, if your team plays in Cleveland, and I apologize because the fans will probably be rude and mean to you, but you would think that that team wins the AFC champ. You would think we're the Patriots, the way the city tailgates and goes to the yeah. games. I mean, it's a circus down there every Sunday, even through the worst teams, right? Yeah. The only difference now is that people aren't giving you tickets for free when you walk <laughs> in. You actually have to buy them. So that's <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And and it's and it's there's no justice because then you look at a team like baseball's Tampa Bay Rays, which are they've been at least in recent years consistently very good team, and they don't they have a terrible park and they 
no one goes to the games. No one cares. Yeah. It's not fair, man. It's not fair. Yeah. All right, I promise we're going to play a round of burning questions, so let's fire it up. Right. Just one more thing. I have a riddle for you. Answer the question. <laughs> All right, we've already answered a couple. So I'll, I'll, keep, I'll stick with the theme. And what is your most memorable sporting event that you attended ever, would you say? So... Back, I was working at the Cavs, and the Cavaliers were playing the Orlando Magic in... The Hold on, you buried the lead. You worked for the Cavaliers? Yeah, oh, yep, okay. right out of school. Oh, cool. uh, sales, like, pounding the phones, mm-hmm. getting paid nothing, but it was cool. But you worked for the Cavs. Yeah, yeah and it was, a, it was a great experience, great learning experience. So they were playing the Orlando Magic in the... I think it wasn't... It was, like, wasn't the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever, but LeBron hit a shot, like, near half court or turnaround three to win the game place went crazy not the most monumental event in cleveland history but just being at that game like i I just vividly remember like we were sitting in front of the suites and the suite behind us was just spraying corona beer like all (laughs) over the place people were like high-fiving the city was on fire it's just one of those things that um like oh man that was a memory and you know we were with friends it's awesome Uh, it's funny that reminded me of something that Bob Ryan once said, and I had the pleasure of meeting Bob Ryan, longtime Boston Globe columnist who I grew up with, and I produced a podcast where he was the guest. And he was talking about this. He was sitting in Fenway Park, and the man is in his 80s now, I believe, uh, or maybe 70s. Sorry, Bob, if I got that wrong. But And it was a tense moment in a Sox game, and he was recounting. He said, so Thursday night, and the the bases are loaded, and the Sox said, and I said to myself, what, what do people do who don't – root for sports teams what do they do if they don't do this and he said now listen i love the movies i love going to concerts i love doing normal stuff and going to parties and stuff but there's nothing like this so a quick story the so this example because everyone always asks me when i say i moved out here from ohio they say are you a patriots fan now like you have to be a patriots fan they win all the time did you convert and and i say listen i i root for the patriots when they're not playing the Browns and I want to see them be successful. I don't feel I'm not one of those like fans who's just hates them because I'm jealous. Okay. But the story I tell is I was in, in a basement in Southie with a bunch of friends watching the Patriots play the Seahawks. Right. Mm -hmm. And that game ended in probably one of the most exciting ways a game is possible to end. Everybody thinks the Seahawks are going to win the infamous. They don't hand it to Marshawn Lynch interception on the one Malcolm Butler. Yeah. Yeah unbelievable game and I'm football. I grew up playing football. Like that's my sport. Mm. And so while everyone is like diving on the floor, going crazy, celebrating this win, I felt nothing. Uh, Because it wasn't your team. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, but you talk about that visceral reaction of like what sports brings out of people. And I'm like, I just can't like my body doesn't react to them winning. Like it does a Cleveland team. Right. And I think that's like, I just I, I can't claim to be a fan of them because if that doesn't mo- like make move me, right. then I'm not a fan. Well, then that's fine, and I res- I respect that because because mm-hmm. unbelievable yeah. franchise, you, like they're unreal. So. My my dad grew up rooting for the Brooklyn Dodgers for reasons I won't go into, but but and then later kind of adopted the Red Sox as his team. But his but when the Red Sox played the Dodgers in the World Series a couple of years ago, Red Sox won. My dad was bummed out. <laughs> it's like he couldn't he couldn't muster any any pleasure for the Red Sox because his first true love. But the 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 thing that I think Bob Ryan was also sort of touching upon was this is like watching like uh, uh, 
drama or even a soap opera in, unfold before your eyes and you don't know and you're invested. Yeah. And for irrational reasons, by the way, because there's, there's no reason why, like, I mean, it's the line from a Bronx tale. Hey, kid, Mickey Mantle doesn't care um, about you and your dad. I mean, yeah. but which is true. They don't care about us. They don't know us. We're we're encouraging these people that we don't know because they're wearing these jerseys. As Seinfeld says, we root for the laundry. And yet it is it's yet it's a shared experience. It's it's sort of a place to put your passion and that you, you will always have that visceral reaction for Cleveland teams when yeah. something good happens. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah. Yep. So do you, do you believe in Baker Mayfield or? So, yes, yes, no? <laughs> but there's there's a quantum leap quarterbacks make, and you can see it with Aaron Rodgers and Peyton and all those guys. Like, can you run the game from the line of scrimmage? Mm-hmm. He can't yet, right? Yeah. If he can make that leap mentally, which is where 95% of the quarterbacks in the NFL stall out, then I think he's got, like, the arm and all that stuff and the leadership to do it. But Again, that that mental leap of running a football game from the line of scrimmage is not common. So that we'll see. He's got the com- TV commercials down. He's pretty good. He yeah, they're funny. <laughs> they are funny. Yeah, Those are know? good ads. Yeah, so. I like. I enjoy them. All right, switching from sports, a uh, few more questions on burning questions here, which was the conceit of this bit. What what is your favorite form of transportation? Apropos of nothing, what is your favorite form of transportation? Driving myself. Okay, just a car. What do you listen to in the car? Usually some sort of music that people would say I have an identity crisis. It could be country. It could be rap. It could be pop mm. or occasionally a podcast. So mm-hmm. there's a couple that I'll listen to. Thank you this one, the, of course, all the time. Thank you for I the plug to- on, the, on the podcast. Yeah. That's correct. We this one's at the top of my list. What's the longest you've gone without sleep, if you can remember, and why? Oh, man. I don't even know if I can remember. Maybe like cramming for something in college and just staying up all night or maybe Vegas. Like usually like a day or two. I'm one of those people that I am, I can't survive without sleep. So like, mm-hmm. it's like when I get a cold, I feel like I'm dying and my wife gets a cold and she like takes on the world and she's yeah. like, oh, you have a cough or you dying, Dave? I'm like, <laughs> no. But if I don't have sleep, I, I, I turn into a baby. Those so. are, yeah. Well, and it's. It's true, and, and sometimes we have those moments, say we are on a weekend in Vegas or something, and you get full of bravado and you stay up for 24 hours, which can happen when you go to Vegas, and, man, you, you pay for it. I yeah. mean, I, pay, I, I at least pay for it for, for, like, for as long as two weeks I'll pay for it. 24 hours is the longest I've ever made it, and okay. then I'm usually sick if I don't get a good night's sleep. Yeah. 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 So. Okay, good answer. I'm soft. What's your favorite holiday? Oh, man, probably Thanksgiving. Okay, coming up. This is this will be Graham's uh, second Thanksgiving. Yes, right? yes, it will be. Will, he, um, will you dress him up like a turkey and take pictures? I, I'm sure that my my wife goes <laughs> for more of a fall chic look, you know. So okay. there might be autumn colors and leaves, and there'll be a lot. There'll be some sort of photo shoot, I'm sure. Uh, but I'm not in charge of that. I just have to show up. That's good. That's so, the way it should be. Um, All right. Final question on burning questions. Uh, unless you don't like it, uh, the question is: Do you collect anything? Or have you ever collected anything? No. I think like baseball cards when I was little, like that type of thing, but yep. nothing that of notable. Do you still have any baseball cards somewhere? I think I do. Yeah. I think I thought one time I was like, oh my gosh. Like I had that, and maybe everyone's had this moment. I think I have a rookie card that's worth. Yep. I know I do. I definitely got this rookie card. And you go and it's not that, and it's or it's all done up. Or you go and look on eBay. <laughs> Like, I had, like, a Penny Hardaway rookie card platinum, 
and he's like in his you know college uniform. Yep. That's worth nothing, by the way. But I <laughs> I protected it like it was going to be like Mickey Mantle someday when I apparently got it. So it's funny. I had the same sort of pattern that you did. I I, I collected cards as a kid. I. I I had. I remember. I thought Ricky Henderson was going to be the greatest when he came up, and it turns out he was a Hall of Fame player. I put together like five of his rookie cards and put them in plastic, and I'm like, these are going to be worth a ton one day. And if baseball cards had continued to like they they were hot at various points in the past, yeah. if they continued to kind of go up as a normal sort of collectible like commodity would. It would be worth money, but it but that didn't happen, and well, and and now like I, I I even to this day sometimes I'll check the price and they might be like thirty bucks each. Yeah, and <laughs> you know? and I feel like people tried to sell me on the fact that yeah. the, no baseball card like that's a new thing. Like yeah, those are these are valuable. You collect them, and I'm yeah. like, I I don't think it is. Like no. you you do, but <laughs> if no one else does, is it really worth anything? Yeah. So I don't know. There's a, there's a good documentary on Netflix called Jack of All Trades where a guy, probably about your age, probably younger than me, he goes he goes back, and the documentary is self reflective. It's it's about him going back and in combination reconnecting with his dad, who I guess he had fallen out of touch with, and reconnecting with his baseball cards. He was going to go gather this this long lost collection, this treasure trove of cards, and he ends up bitterly disappointed finding out that they're basically worth nothing yeah <laughs> so, it's terrible yeah. yeah no anyway we will take a break and then before we go we'll play around to good stuff where both dave and i will recommend something good for you but in the meantime hang out we'll be back in about i don't know about 51 seconds or so listen to this hi i'm jay rudiman all inclusive is a podcast focused on inclusion and social justice Join me as I interview leaders and experts on the latest news focused on advocacy for social justice. In order to make progress that will lead to a more equitable future, honest discussions must be held. That is what All Inclusive is all about. Listen and subscribe to the All Inclusive podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Visit the show website for more information and full episode transcripts at www.allinclusivepodcast.com. We're back with Dave Miller of Rosen Dental Transitions at the .com if you want to find the, their website. Before we get to good stuff, you're planning to launch a podcast, which is very exciting. Yes. So tell us the nugget of that idea, and do you have a name for it yet or not? Uh, so I thought about that. I thought mm. about going really outside the box from a creative standpoint and calling it the Rosen Dental Transition Podcast. Catchy. You know, just getting super creative. <laughs> I don't know. We, we're kicking around at names there. I, I think yeah. what's driving me is um, in this industry, you have sellers who, in a perfect world, would like to sell to another dentist like them. And then you have all these buyers out there that want to buy practices but it's it's hard for them to get connected. And there's a lot of corporate buyers out there, which are great. Like they've, they've come in and started buying practices. So somewhere along the line, like we're failing the industry in terms of like, you talk to one side and they're like, man, I'd really like to sell to a dentist like me. And then you talk to a dentist like them. And they're like, man, I'd really like to buy a practice, but I can't find any mm. because corporate buys them all up. Right. So something's missing. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. like, I think part of it is in dental school, like most, professions, you don't get 
the business education and like the training to go, go from a professional to an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of them are entrepreneurs. They're professionals that want to own a business, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a piece of it. And then I think on the seller side, it's like, well, you can make this transition what you want, but you have to plan a little bit, right? Or you have Mm -hmm. to at least understand what your options are and what the process could look like. So I think that's it. And I think the other thing we were talking about earlier about Dennis is that they can, they don't, it's not like some industries where you share a ton of best practices, okay. right? There are right. some, they, a yeah. lot of it's clinical though. Like they're talking about clinically, how can I do this procedure better? What, what's the new technology? There's not a ton of groups that get together and say, well, how do you run your business? Right. Yeah. Like how, and so I think just trying to get more of that information out there and letting hopefully some of the successful dentists in the area talk about how they built their practices and, and things of that nature. They can so, come on and tell their story. So it'll be informational, but you hear stories along the way of their journey, what worked, what didn't work. and Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the hope. So, yeah, super riveting stuff for people who are not in the dental industry. I'm sure everybody's like, oh, let me let me f- seek that one out. Well, <laughs> well, you have an audience, which is good. That You have a, an intended audience, which is half the battle in, in podcasting is figuring out who your audience is. But for someone that is in that niche, this is the thing that I think they would want to listen to because they want to, especially like someone who's uh, up and coming dentist who's building their practice and wants to learn from the, the mistakes of the past and the successes of the past. So, yeah. So we, I will keep my audience updated on that from when your podcast launches. And you could do worse than Rosen Dental Transitions podcast. I mean, right. at least there's no mistaking as to what the podcast That's is right. about. Right. All right. We promised a quick round of good stuff. So let's do it. Oh, that's the good stuff. Dave, uh, would you like to go first? What Anything at all you might want to recommend to our listening audience? Yeah, so I was thinking about this, and the first thing that popped in my mind was a book I read mm-hmm. a long time ago, completely unrelated to dental okay. and at risk of some people judging me, called The Four Agreements. The Four Agreements, okay. In the book, it's a very short read, but I just feel like the world is crazy right now in terms of people caring what other people think and all the pressures of social media and all and. Again, I don't want to go down this like rabbit hole of a weird topic, but this book is just basically about four agreements you make with yourself to try and just understand things a little bit differently, right? Mm. And so very, very, very easy read, short, but I I think everyone should read it once, uh, Mm. regardless of what they do or what situation they're in. It's, if I'm not mistaken, The Four Agreements, A Practical Guide to Personal Freedom, written by Don Miguel Ruiz. And you can, of course, find it on Amazon. And so it sounds like sort of not really self-help, but maybe a little bit inspirational. Maybe like you read the book, you feel like you've got your your act together a little bit more so than before. Yeah, and I, th- and I think it just, it, it could maybe help you reframe how you think about the events and people and stuff that goes on in your life, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, spoiler alert, like mm-hmm. one of the agreements is basically based around like, Listen, you, you assume everything else that people do is about you, right? And so, like, we create this narrative. If we don't know the truth, we create the narrative around that, and a lot of times it's bad. Mm. And so it's just kind of separating, like, what happens in the world from what we perceive it to be and what the truth is and, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I wonder if, if this, I've heard this said before, is we spend a lot of time worrying about what other people think about us, and sometimes we worry that... Maybe we've hurt someone in the past, we've done someone wrong, or for some reason another person is holding a grudge against us. And that could be true. But in many cases, 
It's actually not true. And you're thinking about that person a lot more than they're thinking of you. And you've caught, you've, is that an, sort of an example sort of of what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And I always walk this fine line because like, I'm not saying go through life apathetic and don't care and like, you right. know, that. But another example is like, say you're driving on 90 and someone comes flying past you and cuts you off. Right. And immediately you're like, F this person, yeah. maybe lay on the horn, give them the finger. What's their problem? Yeah. All that kind of stuff. But if they had their wife in the back seat who was having a health, like a heart attack and they were speeding to the hospital to try and save their life, yeah. would you be a little bit more understanding? Right. Right. And so that's just an example of like, like the, we immediately are like, that guy's a jerk. They just cut me off, whatever. When it's like, well, what if there was something crazy? Like, and so I think it's just, yeah. again, trying to like pull apart that the narrative that your mind creates around all the right. stuff that goes on. And they have four different things. I like it. So, yeah, it's interesting. I like it. The four agreements. Yeah, you don't know what, uh, until you're walking in that person's shoes, you don't know what's going on. And and that as as evidence thereof, if you're ever having, having a horrible day, you might snap at someone that you don't, you don't normally and think about what could be going on in somebody else's life. It's absolutely yeah. true. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, and I think like part of what, uh, like so this again just a quick tangent then we'll no, get off, okay. but so part like my, my friend and i talk about this a lot part of what makes some people successful is that you care deeply about stuff you care about what other people think you want people to be happy if you're in like a business development type role or whatever it is right and so you can't like abandon that completely because that helped you get to where you are mm-hmm. right but is are there are there beliefs and different things like that that you have that maybe you inherited, you were trained when you were young. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. That's it's, it doesn't have to be to that extreme. So I don't know. Yeah. It's just reexamining a lot of that stuff to like why you are the way you are and, and what you can do. So it also sounds like a good reminder of, of sort of checking yourself when it comes to being just being a thoughtful person. And I think thoughtfulness is underrated because some might, you might be the person in your family who gives like expensive gifts to everyone. And, and that's great if you've got money to burn and everything. But usually the gifts, I don't know about you, the gifts I've gotten over the years, it's not the expensive ones. It's the one that someone thought, someone actually listened to something you were interested in and gave you something. Yet I had a friend who I went to summer camp with her. And then years later, my 40th birthday party, she got me a framed photo of just a nice black and white photo of the camp. Just just this sort of picture-perfect, idyllic photo of the camp. And immediately, uh, my heart, like, uh, sank or whatever. Like, like I was so touched. Yeah. And, and that, that probably cost her $11. But, but, and we all could do that more if we, if we wanted to. Well, know? yeah. I mean, we've, we've, I mean I, we've all thrown away thousands of dollars of shit and gifts and given away and all yeah. that stuff. And through moving and different things... I found a letter, right? I kept a letter from a friend that they wrote probably eight years ago, right? And that, so this one was <laughs> typed, I think. But like, those are the things that yeah. you kept, right? And yeah. it, man, I tell you what, if you, if you, if, if there's, I don't know why, where we're on this thing, but like, if there's someone you care about, parents, family, whatever, mm-hmm. and man, write them a letter just saying thank you for whatever, right? Yeah. Like, Thanks for all your sacrifices raising me. Thank you for giving me the opportunities to build this beautiful life. Like anything. It yep. could just be a card with four sentences in it. Like when you yep. when you send a birthday card or a retirement card, instead of just signing your name, write four things in there. Man, they'll keep that for, for yeah. a long time. 
Especially um, in this day and age where everything is just like a text or whatever. Yeah, it's a great It's a great point. All right, I'm going to write some letters. All right, so we go from something meaningful to something that probably isn't that meaningful. Have you seen the TV show Succession? Obsessed. If you are, okay. Yeah. So good. We'll, we'll talk about it for just a short while. This is not a secret. It's one of the more popular shows out there, but because I'm obsessed with it and season three recently started, I'll play a little bit of the trailer for season three, and then Dave and I will have a few brief comments. Here we go. I dropped a bomb. The whole world is watching for my next move. You're the number one trending topic ahead of Tater Tots, and the Pope followed you. Uh, wow. Okay, no, this is not the... Re- is this the real... Uh, right. No, right. I don't Thanks, think Greg. this is a Pope. My family have disappeared. I need to know where everyone is and what everyone's thinking. There he is, the little man who started this big war. Right now, I'm the real you. Sure, and I'm the real you. You sound deranged. As I understand it, you want to take down your dad without implicating yourself. Correct. And without damaging the company to the extent that you lose control at your shareholder meeting. Do you have an actual case, Ken? Yes, I can kill him. Is he going to watch? Could we make a note in the minutes that he's watching us? There's blood in the water. That gives you enough of a taste of it. And so if you're unfamiliar with Succession, you do kind of have to go back and start at season one. But it is a, I think fair to say, a fictionalized version of Rupert Murdoch and and his family and the Fox Empire. At least that was the original inspiration for it. I don't know how many of the the through lines of of truth are contained in in this fictionalized version. But the... The characters now. I don't know if the characters are likable. They're but they're fun to watch, and and it, it is about family. It is about backstabbing. The patriarch, it, played by this uh, this uh, actor Brian Cox, who you've seen him in a hundred things. You probably just don't know his name. He's wonderful. The my favorite and probably a lot of people's favorite is uh, Macaulay Culkin's little brother <laughs> Kieran Culkin, uh, as the sort of I guess fair to say black sheep of the family. But they all of these quirks that are interesting. No one seems to be able to trust one another. And it's it's just picking up steam in this third season where there's a showdown going on between the Brian Cox character and his um, most notable, successful son or whatever. Anyway, it's a war. So yeah. what, what, what are your thoughts? Why do you like it? So I like it for all of that. It's funny, too. It is very funny, yeah. And the other thing is the characters I thought I liked in season one Mm -hmm. I hate in season three and vice versa so like (laughs) I think that's what's interesting is like the way it starts you're like oh man I I loathe like Macaulay Culkin's brother yeah I hated his character the first like four or five episodes and now he's hilarious yeah yeah he was a little punk that didn't realize how good he had it and you're right that there are these traits coming out where he's sort of softening and because and looking more and more like the good guy as as these swords are drawn all around him Yeah. yeah yeah it's yeah it's it's great Highly recommend that. So, and it has officially become the show that is, if you don't watch it, people are annoying you, telling you that you have to watch it. But we do do recommend it on HBO and HBO Max. And uh, don't forget about the new podcast coming from Dave Miller's uh, company, Rose, uh, sorry, I, I now now your company's not on my screen anymore. Rosendental transitions, <laughs> Rosendental right? Transitions. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. it'll be good. We'll, we'll have some stuff coming out. We're excited. So, thank you. I hope you had fun on the Boston podcast.
for sure. Thanks all right. for having me. You you got it. Thanks so much. And thanks to all of our listeners. If you like the show, please share it with a friend. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. By the way, if you'd like your own podcast, we do produce them here out of our Westwood studio or remotely. We'll send you out a quality USB mic. Go to pod617.com. To get started, I do want to thank our sponsor one more time, the All-Inclusive Podcast with Jay Ruderman. Great cause, the Ruderman Foundation. Great podcast. On behalf of Dave, who is now my officially my favorite person from Cleveland, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. Boston,